Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been, I believe, just watching, maybe reading this week. I'm Terry. Um, watching and reading, yeah. I'm very <laughs> bad. And this week, we're talking haunted houses, a ghostly chamber piece, Becky with the okay hair, the continuing adventures of the famous Jason, and a roller coaster of love and disaster. Bum, bum, bum. Also, if you are a... Fresh Wound subscriber on our Patreon, your new episode on Fat Girl is out. And boy, was that a deep dive into French feminism, into so much grooming, consent, <laughs> just a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Dax and I, when I did, was on West Once Never Again, we did a whole series on Briot and we were just like, I can't anymore with these movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I know what this one is, but let's talk about Haunted Houses. Okay, so I have not been watching a lot this week because I've just been playing Dredge (laughs) instead of uh, doing anything else with my time. Um, But I did start reading a book that I have been meaning to read forever. And I I actually got a copy of it when we were in San Francisco for oof. But this is uh, Tell Me I'm Worthless by Alison Rumfit, which is... I mean, people have been singing this book's praises for a long time on Twitter, Mm -hmm. and it is basically a new take on the Haunted House movie, not movie, Haunted House narrative, where three years ago, 
uh, this, this group of women go to a haunted house and really bad shit happens and one of them disappears and the other two never speak to each other again. And the first half of the book is them like kind of struggling to live through their lives after going through this traumatic experience. But we're all, we're getting the perspective of these two women. There's Alice, who is a trans woman, and then Isla, who is a cis woman, a cis lesbian. And then we also get the perspective of the haunted house. And the, oh. the book ends up being not just about hauntings, but about like contemporary British society, transphobia, the spread of fascism, the insidiousness of fascism and um, transphobia. Like, it's really good and it's really gay so um allison rumfit is a trans woman so it is like very queer very much fucked up characters who are like pretty bad but compelling Mm. and it's i i started reading it last night and i got about halfway through it (laughs) um wow i really really love the way it's really interesting like it goes from like alice's perspective to isla's perspective to the house's perspective and the way that each section is written is really into like a really different and interesting there's a lot of like stream of consciousness writing going on here and kind of like th- it feels like you're following like a line of intrusive thoughts it's really okay fascinating and a different way of thinking about hauntings and i really love it i haven't finished it yet and i know that <coughs> Sorry, guys. Kazoon <coughs> tight. Apparently, the end is like even terror is even scarier. I was gonna ask, so is, it, really is it spooky? So it's spooky for sure, but it's not. It's like in the background almost. It's like more focusing okay. on like the psychological state of the characters, but it's compelling because of the characters and how they themselves perceive the haunting. And that is really interesting. And like when you get the house's perspective, it's really it's cre- it's creepy that we get the house's perspective. I love that. I love that idea because I don't think I've really seen that before. Yeah, um, it's very much. It's got a name. The house has a name, and it has like a POV, and it like speaks to the the two women like in their head. It's really cool. It's just like very different. And I highly recommend it. It's people have been singing its praises for a, a bit, and I am joining in that cheering because it's really weird and really well written. My favorite is going on oh, yeah. Goodreads and seeing people writing it like didn't finish it too political, and I'm like, fuck you. But so it's like it's very funny to see the people who get it and the people who are like, this is just like too woke for me, and it's like, all right, cool. I'm just you're Sounds just giving good. me an aneurysm right now. <laughs> I know. I I know. My eyes like Argh. I know. Uh, talk about being triggered like (laughs) that's what always kills me is that they're always like snowflakes triggering yada 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 but then they have conniption fits over drag time and and anything that is woke like it's like uh, triggered much whatever anyway I am really excited I want to read that one it's definitely on my my to be red pile they are the biggest bitches you're right Tony yeah, I highly recommend it. I'm reading through it really quickly. It's just like incredibly compelling. The characters are like gross but fascinating, and uh, yeah, I'm glad to be reading. I was like, I need to read a book. <laughs> I need to read a fucking book. So I'm glad this is the book that I picked up to finally get my ass back into reading. 
Um, yeah. I say that this is every six months. I'm like, I'm getting back into reading. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm reading a little bit at least. I'm not I'm not going to talk about yeah. it tonight, but I, I have started listening to My Dearest Darkest, which I oh. think you oh, I think yes. talked about on the podcast before. I did. Yes. My sapphic oh. cosmic horror. I'm loving it so far. I'm oh, about like so a third of the way through and I'm really enjoying oh. that. So I'm, I'm hoping to talk about that maybe. Eventually. I have her newest one that I need to read too. Well, see, that's about. why I went to go out there to to get hopefully the audiobook of the new one her new book um and it wasn't out yet as an audiobook and so i was like well mm-hmm. i'm gonna listen to this one yeah this delicious death lesbian cannibals at coachella i'm here what for more that. could you want what more could you want? but i want to i want to hear about this continuing adventure of the famous adjacent okay so i i can't remember i think i might have talked about this show before on the podcast um the other two does this ring a bell at all I can't remember if I've talked about it or not. It's a comedy show. It like the first the first season. This we're on season three. Season three just started, and uh, the very first season is about this Justin Bieber esque kid that is like whisked you off. You have of... talked about you have talked about this before. I think yeah. Oh my gosh, Tony! My favorite himbo too, Josh Sagara is in it, and he is hell yeah! I love him so much. He. Dad, he is so he is ugh, lovable. Is that himbo. the is that the hottie from Scream? Yes, I love okay. him so much. <laughs> I okay. love him. But like, so the first season is about this this kid whose name is Chase, and he's given the moniker of Chase Dreams, and he is like a little thirteen year old kid who was discovered mm-hmm. and has like oh yes, fame. got it. And so then we we follow his um, much older brother and sister who are in their like I think either late twenties or early thirties when when the show starts I think it's late twenties, um, Brooke and Carrie, and we follow them and they are not famous whatsoever. They are struggling while their younger brother has like rocketed up. And the first season's about that. The second season Carrie is hot though, absolutely Tony. Um, the second season continues that, and then the second season ends i'm gonna spoil the end of the second season sorry it's not that big of a deal but like it ends with carrie getting a role in a movie and he's like ah my first day of shooting is march 13 2020 which is oh no when covid oh, shut no. everything down so now we're in 2023 and the show is is finally back i think that season actually aired in like 2021 so it has been it has been a minute, and I didn't even know that season three um, was out until I got a notification on my phone saying, hey, it's now on HBO Max. I'm like, what? And so I quickly reached out to HBO, and I got the – they've only released the first seven um, episodes for um, critics to to review, and I am on episode five. So I'm not completely caught up with what I need – with what's available, but I am ahead of where the show is. And I have to say, this third season is really, really funny. It picks up with, like, after the movie has been filmed, it's now three years later, and it's there were so many COVID delays, and so it kind of has a little bit of jokes about the um, idea of... Yeah, I would really recommend it, Tony. I think the first... By the time this episode drops, I think the first three episodes will be out. And Carrie is like... 
uh, we, we kind of go into like the COVID protocols that were, that were there. The fact that like, it was a very lonely time and he was so excited for his movie to be airing in a theater. And in the very first episode, they are at the premiere of watching this movie in a movie theater. And then the movie theater is like close. It's like, we're closing the movie theater. It's being turned into a Starbucks because no one's going to the movie theaters. And so then his movie gets dropped on VOD the next day. And so it's like, sort of like seeing that kind of very excitement of like having the creative thing. You're going to have a movie in a movie theater. And now it's like, Oh, now it's just being dropped on a VOD. And I think that's something that a lot of like directors that we've kind of talked to over the the last few years is like a common like thing. It's like, you're so excited to get your first movie done and you really want to be in a movie theater, but then COVID is like decimated all of that. And so it's funny and it's, it tackles that it tackles his, his relationship with kind of fame and parasocial relationships. He gets in this, in this relationship with this other actor, gay guy, he's gay, very queer. The show is very queer. And the actor is like, a method actor. It's played by Finn Argus, who is in um, the new season of Queer's Folk, the new reboot of Queer's Folk, or Queer's Folk, uh, and that they are playing a gay man that is method. And so while they're dating, he is playing uh, Love Nicholas, a third spinoff or a second spinoff of Love Victor in or love Simon in the show and he's like so he's playing an 18 year old so he's like I'm still a virgin and so they're they're not taking their relationship any further because he is so method and there's just like so many funny things like that well the sister is struggling with um does she still want to be in the industry because she has become kind of successful Mm. the mom played by Molly Shannon it now owns a tv channel and we're following her like rise to like fame and it's just it's really really funny fucking hilarious dylan o'brien has a cameo in an episode that drops this week that's really hilarious it's just it's just like it's feel good it's comfort and it's really fucking funny and i'm so glad that it's back out it's on hbo max and i really recommend if you've not seen the show to to give it a try and the third season seems to be really nailing that kind of the same kind of humor that drove the first two so i highly recommend it Hell yeah. Really okay. Sick. Yeah. I guess we're going back to ghosts. What is this ghostly chamber piece? Um, so I meant to talk about this a couple times and I haven't, but since it's coming out in less than a month on Shudder, uh, this is Brooklyn 45. Oh, you did talk about it. Did I talk about Brooklyn 45? Out of South by. But we can talk about it because I've actually seen it now too. That's real awkward. Wow. Obviously, I'm doing great, and I'm definitely getting a lot of sleep, and I'm very well-rested, and everything is fine. Never mind. No, let's talk about it, because I've, <laughs> I've seen it in the intervening time. Well, uh, for those of you who missed that episode, uh, uh, God, I'm embarrassed for fucking forgetting it, that. Jesus. There's not, nothing to be embarrassed with. This is like fucking, God. you know, podcast brain podcast brain for fucking real but this is ted geegan's new movie he directed we are still here in 2015 and this is his newest film that um is basically like it's a chamber piece it's a bunch of friends i think it's five friends yeah five military veterans from world war ii get together at one of their friends house it's larry fessenden's character's house to kind of like meet after the war and reminisce and just be with their friends like be with old friends again and as they are chatting around the 
this, this like beautiful like this beautiful oak room talking about the war and kind of like verbally sparring back and forth they end up having a seance and then everything kind of goes downhill from the seance and it is both it's really it's a really interesting combo of supernatural and real life drama because there's a lot going on here about like PTSD and post World War II and kind of like responsibilities here of like of trust and of like treating how treating other people and it's really beautiful. I think it's really well written. I think it's a really interesting examination of friendship and a really good balance of like the spooky to the human drama to the spooky again and kind of weaving in these horror elements when you kind of are lured into this false sense of security of like, okay, the ghost stuff is over. And then it's like, oh, shit, here it comes again. So there's a really interesting kind of like ebb and flow to it that I really enjoy that I'm excited to see again when it hits Shutter soon because I think it's gonna. It's definitely like not at all like we are still here. It's not that gory. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that scary, but it like is like one of those sad horror movies. It's got like a Benson and Moorhead like sat more sad vibe, I guess, to like emotional connections and kind of that kind of thing. While the horror kind of is the backdrop for this examination of friendship and trauma and ptsd and all that lovely stuff what i because like you you had talked about it at a south by and then i got to see it at a panic fest and i hadn't seen it yeah. when you had talked about it before so i'm actually really glad that we're talking about it again because i was blown away blown away by this movie i think larry fezenden pulls out a performance of his lifetime in this and shows why he is such a genre mainstay but this is basically like grab a whole bunch of um character actors in in genre we have jeremy holm we have um ezra buzzington who was in he played i think his name was maybe goggles but he was in um the hills have eyes remake uh we have Mm -hmm. larry we have ann ramsey who um was in the taking taking of deborah logan uh so we have like all of these fantastic character actors that are given a meaty script to like really dig into and there's what I loved about this this film is the way in which it deconstructs the way we look at World War II and the way we look at heroes out of the war who um, may have done horrible things during the war and are struggling with the consequences of that in a, in a world that has said, we got to move on, we got to be, we got to, you know, World War II is behind us, but it hasn't. And I think that there's a lot of prescient things in here in terms of the way in which hate and xenophobia and the way in which we sort of um, heroize uh, that war as being like big thing. And it was a big thing, but like kind of the the heroes of it when they were just flawed people faced with unimaginable horror and imaginable things that they had to do to stop nazism and so i think that there's a lot of interesting things in here that that it is dissecting in that and it really like i recently reviewed this and it really kind of hit home with me with like because i my, my grandfather fought in world war ii i think a lot of people's grandparents might have been either directly involved with the war or like part of that whole culture and i remember my grandfather he was on the beaches of normandy he probably should have died he has he had an indent in his head that as a kid i remember feeling oh um, shit where shrapnel hit and the only reason he lived was his helmet that dented inward and caused an indention in his skull 
Um, oh, shit. So there's like, I, and I thought about that and it made me really emotional just thinking about, because he never would talk about the war. And so like, it was this always this dichotomy of seeing like war movies sort of hero, like make, make it into like this big yeah. heroic thing. And they, I'm not discounting it. They were heroes, but you see like, you see that and you see this sort of like commercialization of, of what happened. I mean, we have call of duty, like the call of duty games, like this, this idea of like war is a game. And then it, I've always had a hard time discussing that or thinking about that in terms of seeing my, my grandfather who would get this far away look in his eye and would not talk about the things that he saw over in world war two. And so I think that this movie kind of interrogates that in an interesting way. Yeah. Yes. Tony spec ops, whew, that game. Yikes. But it does. It like it it gives it it imbues a sense of like reality and like of what PTSD can look like and what it means to be a hero slash like what it means to and like and not and it's about them and also about the people who had to live through it too. Like the other mm-hmm. people who maybe didn't go overseas and weren't in the war, but like the after effects of like that paranoia as we see with Larry Fessenden's character's wife. And it's just like a really fascinating, complex look at, and at war. I know that's inspired a lot by Ted's own dad, and just like his. When you wanna have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. His own relationship to the military and it's kind of like that a love letter to that but with some horror elements thrown in there and i i think there's a lot there's a lot of humanity in this which i think a lot of ted gigan's movies have had these mm-hmm. had three and i mean there's a lot of humanity in them and this one is definitely no different yeah a quick i think like a, a easy way to sum this movie up is that it's 12 angry men and a ghost like it's it's just yeah. it's 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 that kind of feel to it and uh yeah, I'm. I I really I really enjoyed this one. It it really yeah. it really hit home for me. I really enjoyed it too. So glad got glad I got to bring it up again. Oops. Yeah, me too. Actually, no, no. What? Oops, is the number of times we've done that just because podcast Sheer brain things we watch. Mm-hmm. It happens. Uh, yeah, but now let's talk about our roller coaster. Oh no, I have one more. Oh, you do. Yeah, Becky with the okay hair. Oh, yeah, Becky with the okay hair. I can't read. What's Becky with the okay hair? I'm doing great today. I'm really doing awesome today. <laughs> Listeners, we, we've, we've had, we had a marathon recording day, and uh, it's just, we're a little fried. Yeah, so I finally saw Becky. Oh. The, uh, the 2020 uh, Lulu, I always want to say Lululemon, the Lulu Wilson starring... Uh, Paul Blart starring Paul Blart 13 year old versus white nationalists movie. Yeah. <laughs> About yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perperina. Yeah. It is. It, it is literally a teenager's weekend. The, the, the basic synopsis teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father. Her, she lost her mother to, to cancer. Um, she has this kind of strained relationship with her father played by Joel McHale. 
um, and he is taking her back to their family cabin. She thinks that he's going to sell it, and um, she is a petulant 13-year-old that is very upset with the world. And to make matters worse, Joe McHale has brought his new girlfriend that he intends to marry and his girlfriend's son um, to this home, and she's there. And at the same time, Paul Blart, a.k.a. Kevin James and his motley crew of white nationalists have broken out of, of jail and there is something in the house that they want to get and chaos ensues with Lulu Wilson's character going home alone meets like rated R violence on these people that are trying to break into their house and potentially murder everyone. Um, I will throw a little warning up here because a lot of people have problems with it. There is an animal death in this film. Um, so just as a, as a warning to, to those that might mm -hmm. not want to yeah. deal with that, but it is, uh, it was, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun with this. I don't think Kevin James is that intimidating. <laughs> Sorry, Paul Blart. Uh, he just, he's, Paul Blart, he's not Paul Blart. He's, he's not scary in this. Like, I was like, ooh. Because uh, the reason why I watched this is that the sequel is coming out later this month. And I was like, I've never seen this one. So I want to watch this one before I watch the sequel. And we'll talk about... You talked about the sequel out of South By as well. But I'm going to probably Thanks bring it up. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I'm going to probably bring it up when the movie is coming out. Uh, but yeah, so I watched this one. This one is a lot of fun. Do not think the... Yeah, Paul Blart, genuine threat. Yeah, <laughs> do not find him to be a genuine threat, but I had a blast with this movie. It is over-the-top violent. Same cinematographer, actually, as um, Soft and Quiet. Another movie about white nationalists. So, that's interesting. But yeah, I had fun. <laughs> Lula Wilson's a star. She is. She's, she's really fantastic good. She's a this. star. And she's really good in the new one, too. I'm glad you liked it. It's fun. It's like definitely kind of a more like mindless, not mindless, but it's fun. It's a fun, it's a fun like slat, not slasher, but like humble, like you said, like home alone, horror adjacent, like rare exports without the Christmas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah, right. She was in Ouija. I forgot that she, she was, was in Ouija. In she was in Haunting of Hill House. Like she was in uh, one of the Annabelle movies. She was in Sharp Objects, uh, Animal God, Creation. She's been in everything. Deliver Us from Evil. Like she's been, she's, she's been making her genre, her genre uh, progress. I I love it. But yeah, I know. All right, now let's talk about this roller coaster of disaster. As we have continued yes. our Final Destination foray with Final Destination Trace Three. Yes. So I, I, I gotta know. What what did you think about this one, Mary Beth? Because this is for those that don't know, this is the one that opens with the roller coaster, and then the kind of gimmick with this one is that Mary uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is a photographer, and she sees hints of the future in the pictures that she has taken. So I'm I'm curious what you thought about this one. 
Tony had fond memories of reading Final Destination 3 fanfic on the IMDb message boards about Ian and Eric, because I was a 12-year-old, and I loved Aaron. Aaron, not Eric. Oh, is that what you think about that, Misu? (laughs) She has thoughts. Wow, that's incredible, Tony. What an incredible experience. So, I... I like the deaths in this one are like consistently iconic, I think. I mean, Mm -hmm. if I had complaints about acting in the second one, boy, oh boy, in this one, it just Uh. feels like they just don't care about the acting. They're like, we don't we don't need you to act. We just need you to stand here while things get thrown at you. And I love how in each movie they keep like it's no longer death. It's like the first and second one were like connected with clear rivers and about the whole like way of how death is doing things and now it's photography and Abraham Lincoln is somehow involved with him <laughs> being part of it. I and forgot like, about that until I rewatched it. I was like, oh my god, that and the, the, the two towers photo. I'm like, yeah, Oof. I was like, wait, are we just like completely like taking back the lore we had? And like again, like the lore is what and lore is such a tenuous word for what is going on in the Final Destination movies. And as I saw with Chucky, I love to poke holes and be like, I don't understand the logic of the voodoo. Um, I'm going to not do that here because it just, like, isn't – there's just no – there is no lore here. Like, what the fuck ever. But, I mean, love the roller coaster, love the tanning beds, love the lifting of the weights part. When he's like, you can't kill me, motherfucker. And they're all yelling slurs at each other in the fucking, like, bathroom. And he's like, ha fuck you. And then lifts the weight and it just smashes his head. I mean, come on. That's... And then the hardware store death where it, it, it feels like... I just love how complicated everything has gotten at this point. Like, everything's such a fake out. Like, it, <laughs> and the way that... It's like goes on forever and ever, everything falling, and you're like, when the fuck is it gonna happen? And she gets shot with the nails. That was bad. That was bad. I. But it's also it's it's yeah, Barbarita. Yes, first of all, yes, it is a deadly Rube Goldberg machine, and also yes, this is the one with the tanning bed, which remains one of my favorite moments. Just the way it is shot, particularly overhead as like the camera is down on them and they're the tanning beds are next to each other and they're burning and then it cuts to them being buried side uh, by side in the coffins like the tanning beds become the coffins is such it. like a perfect and yes gratuitous boobs so much i don't think the roller coaster is great uh, it's like fine but it's not as like after getting like the the plane crash and like the pile up it's it, I mean, it's terrifying because that is, like, the most terrifying thing to me. But it definitely didn't have the same impact. No. As, like, it was the... just, like, as Tony said, just a lot of people falling or, or flying out. Like, just, it's, like, splat, splat, splat. Like, there's one really cool thing yeah. where the guy gets cut in half and, like, the bottom half is, like, still stuck in the car. Like, I love that kind of moments. But yeah, it just, it didn't feel as impactful. It didn't have, like, it didn't have like visual like spectacle as much as the other two did um yeah it definitely and then i was annoyed at the fake out at the end the weird thing at the end where it just like is like okay we're gonna go into the new into new york city and just like what 
I literally re I went back. I was like, did I miss something here? Like, did I, what is going on? And no, I didn't miss anything. It just decided to do a time jump randomly. I, th- what? what I think, what I think is funny about this one is that like the oh, opening. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I do. So cute. <laughs> the opening, the opening death, the, the opening like kill sequence is the first 20 some odd minutes of this movie like it's so long it's so long and drawn out but i think it has to be because the rest of the movie is boom 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 done and it almost feels like it has to be padded a bit because like this i mean it's not a long it's not a long movie i don't believe 93 minutes and 20 20 did i write it down i can't no i did not but like 20 ish minutes of that 90 minute runtime is this is this beginning and yes tony i'm glad you brought this up because i remember getting the dvd the dvd had a special feature where you could like choose your own adventure and there's types when it would pause and you would like pick an action and it would go down this other route and it didn't really change a whole lot there's just like a little bit of um things like changed on it but like the first choice that you can make is to have them not actually get on the uh, the roller coaster and when you do that the movie's over it ends <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> it's so All funny right. but cool. so that that i think is really kind of fun um the ending i was like oh i forgot about this <laughs> this ending like uh but i have to say that that was more exciting to me than the opening of this movie <laughs> with the roller coaster it's just the roller coaster doesn't do it for me at all it definitely i mean like i it's definitely intrusive thought territory for me when I'm like, that is my worst fear. But again, like, it's just like, not exactly, again, like I said, like, not as like much of a spectacle. I did like how they played the roller coaster of Love Song, which obviously has the very, like, which very obviously, and this one has like the scream, like that urban legend scream in the background. And um, I love how this franchise uses musical cues and like such obvious music. Like, this franchise, I think what I like about it is like, even when, things are like laughably bad they they are still very playful with like how they use music and it's not a horror comedy but it definitely pokes fun at things and like kind of understands what it is and it's a little bit silly in those regards and i kind of i respect that though yeah i i do think um because like I, i i would say that the first one is a horror slasher the second one is a dark comedy. I find the second one to be very funny in a very dark. Yeah, that one is pretty. This funny. one is leaning into splat stick a whole lot more. Like all of the all of the deaths, like the amount of times that Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character gets splatted in the face with blood in this is just it happens almost every single kill. I'm pretty it's sure. Incredible, and like she <laughs> screams. She's always screaming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Wait, so splatstick. Uh, Tony said, did you know how they killed off the survi- the two survivors in two? They got sucked into a wood chipper. What? What? I did not even know that. That's hilarious. Oh. At least they made it a little bit more obvious in this one how everyone will. I guess I'll, I'll see when I watch the next one. But next. Oh my god, the next one. <laughs> oh god. Okay. <laughs> oh god. I didn't think this one was that bad. I mean, it definitely wasn't like no, amazing. No, it's, it's fun. But, but, oh boy. All right. Well, also, this one has uh, the returning director from the first one, James Wong, coming back. Uh, oh, yeah, to, that's true. 
to direct this one. And I don't know. I think he's having just fun with it. And I, I think, yeah, I, I definitely feel it, it's a little slight compared to the first two. Cause I think the first two are just iconic. This one I feel is a little slight. We'll talk about the fourth yeah. one next week, which is, and then as Kate says, five is really good. 3d 3d. Yeah. I, Oh, Damn. I have a story about that. I have a story about the. Oh, Oh, I'm very excited. We'll, we'll be talking about that for sure next week. Hell yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, we're continuing the Final Destination train next week with, as we said, the Final Destination. Um, very glad I'm finally watching these movies. So many feel so in the know now. They're definitely fun. They're like they cheesy, are. but they're fun. And I, I they know I love that they know exactly what they are, at least so far. They all seem to know exactly what they are. And I respect that. And the deaths yeah. are really cool. I I am so impressed every time. I'm like, alright. And my, I do love the, like, the, you think this is how the death is going to happen? Psych! And the, every time. Every time. It, it doesn't get boring, because it's so weird every single time. So... I, I think that is like the, the thing that I love the most. Well, obviously, I mean, that's like the big gimmick of it, right? But it's the thing I do love the most is the, it kind of, it, it's pulling again from the slasher genre, but it's kind of like making you a detective of trying to figure out ooh how it's going to happen and just trying yeah. to figure out the way that all these things are going to somehow convalesce with someone's head getting smashed by weights or an engine going through the back of the head of some dude. Like just it's, it's fun in a good sort fun. of way. I it's... will say the one thing that I was, when I first saw this, I was like, Ooh, this would have been really cool is the guy um, in the, uh, what is his name? Uh, the goth guy, Ian, oh, the Ian. way there is like this, this moment where I was like, Ooh, what would happen if, one of the survivors decided to start going on a killing spree and try to kill everyone else to like avoid his death. And that almost happens. It's hinted at a little bit in here, but they yeah. never really um, dig into it too much. Cause he just shows up at the very end and then gets splatted. But like, I was like, that would be kind of interesting of like seeing a twist on it where like the guy is like, I got to yeah. kill these people so that I can survive and add sort of like another wrinkle to it. And this movie kind of brings it up and then doesn't really do anything with it, unfortunately. But I always thought that would be kind of fun. Yeah. But then who are we talking to on Monday? Okay. We are talking with the multi-hyphenate Sophia Ajram. Uh, he's the editor of Bury Your Gays, an anthology of tragic queer horror that is currently taking submissions until the end of May. They brought with them Rose Red, the four-hour Stephen King miniseries that is a very obvious uh, remake of The Haunting of Hill House. And this movie was not for me, y'all, but... <laughs> it's a good conversation. It is a good Sophia. conversation. That's but for sure. boy, I do not recommend watching all it's four not... hours of that movie in one go because that was a lot. <laughs> But it was a good conversation. It was yeah. a fun conversation. We talk about houses that are bigger on the inside than they should be. Uh, we talk about a whole lot of that kind of creepy, fun stuff. And it was it was a good episode just about a movie that I did not like. Yes, TARDIS houses, Kate. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting conversation for sure. Um, 
But then, so listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film or read a book that we talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things we should be talking about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It has been a moment since we've had a review. We would love a new review if possible. Um, support us through Patreon. We have a new, as we said at the top of the show, a new uh, Fresh Wounds episode out there for our listeners. And if you haven't listened to our episode about Soft and Quiet, the movie is now streaming on Netflix if you want to ruin your afternoon. Um, but we have a really good conversation about it. And it's out there for free. So you can go watch that if you want to or just listen to us because it's a it's a rough one thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everybody for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time to scratch there's a playful way you can do just that scratch with the key or acrylic nail scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail use a belt buckle from your friend lamar or scratch with your pick while you play guitar you can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways scratchers from the california lottery a little play can make your day please play responsibly must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.